from the looks of that mess, they didn't know exactly where to find it. They both observed the turned-over soil, dark and rich from the recent rain. Maybe Tony noticed it was backing up before he left and tried to fix it, though he didn't mention anything. The plumber approached the metal manhole cover. Someone's been at this for sure. He kneeled down, slipped a small crowbar from his toolbox and placed it under one edge of the cover. He glanced over his shoulder at Mrs. Coffey. You might want to stand back a bit. These things reek to high heaven when opened. She duly took a couple of steps back and pulled her jacket tightly around her. Paddy flipped the cover off and once again averted his nose to evade the malodorous stink racing up to greet him. Waiting for the air to clear a little, he was reaching for his torch when a horrified cry from behind stopped him short. He shook his head. Serves her right for standing over him. This was no place for a... But Paddy quickly realised that it wasn't merely the stench that had affected Mrs. Coffey. Once, twice, three times, her high-pitched screams split the cold, damp air before she finally clamped her hand across her mouth, her eyes wide with horror. What the? Paddy stared at her, puzzled, before slowly turning back to the tank to see what had so affected her. Floating up to greet him was the bloated, distorted face of a man, his eyes protruding, skin purple with putrefaction, sewage spilling from his open mouth as he bobbed in the effluent pool. Frozen with shock, the plumber just stared, unable to take his eyes away. The dead man's deeply veined, bloodshot eyes seemed to be staring back at him in mute accusation. Behind him, Mrs. Coffey was whimpering little sobs of pure animal fear and horror. Finally, Paddy Murphy gagged and fell backwards onto the damp grass. Jesus Christ Almighty! Chapter 2 Can you please state your name and occupation for the benefit of the court? The lawyer asked. The oak-panelled courtroom was still, all eyes on the woman sitting in the witness stand. She sat upright, her piercing blue eyes fixed on the man who was questioning her. Patrick Masterton was a picture-perfect lawyer in his immaculate dark suit crisp white shirt, and just enough grey in his hair to make him appear distinguished. As Masterton referred to his notes, a court artist worked quickly to capture the scene. He had already finished drawing Masterton. He looked elegant, determined, powerful even, and was now working on the witness. With quick strokes, he portrayed the shape of her head, the sheet of blonde hair falling onto her shoulders, her high cheekbones and strong jawline. Her eyes were an unusual shade of deep blue and her strongest feature. In just a few strokes, he managed to capture the fierce light of intelligence, defiance almost, that shone through. She wore an elegant charcoal skirt and jacket, her shirt a complimentary pale pink. The only adornment was a small brooch in her lapel, shaped like a dragon. Riley Steele, 
GFU investigator, she replied in a strong American accent. GFU? Garter Forensic Unit, she clarified. We collect and analyze evidence from crime scenes. And how long have you been in this profession, Ms. Steele? I've been employed by the GFU for approximately 13 months. Before that, I led an ERT, uh, Evidence Response Team, out of the FBI San Francisco field office for almost seven years. Throughout this time, my office carried out extensive crime scene investigative work with contacts in local, state, federal, and international law enforcement agencies. Her answers were clear. Absolutely no hesitation, just statements of fact. And your qualifications?